Hello, and welcome to Talking Opinions. I am Anthony Livingston Hall. Thursday, February 24, 2022, is a date that will live in infamy. For that was when Russia not only invaded Ukraine, but shattered all norms that kept peace in Europe since World War II. Indeed, nothing betrays the foreboding analogies afoot between Russia invading Ukraine today and Germany invading Poland in 1939, quite like the Chamberlainian efforts of French President Emmanuel Macron. The déjà vu was palpable, watching him channel Neville Chamberlain as he tried to prevent Russian President Vladimir Putin from continuing down the same road to perdition that Adolf Hitler took. After all, having already taken Crimea as his Sudetenland, it was self-evident that Putin was treating Macron's efforts as nothing more than peace in our time, appeasement. Of course, our TV screens are already littered with political pundits and armchair generals waxing omniscient about what is plain for all to see. But unlike them, I can cite the term I coined 17 years ago to describe and predict exactly what Putin is doing today. Way back in 2005, I coined the term Putinization for his neo-Stalinist master plan to turn Russia into a police state and reclaim a sphere of influence over all satellite states of the former Soviet Union. More to the point, he gave me cause to use that term in commentaries like Putinization, President Putin reforming Russia in his own neo-Stalinist image on March 25, 2005. The opening paragraph reads, rather presciently, as follows. Comrade Putin is steering the Russian ship of state back to the safe harbor of Soviet times. The Putinization of Russia continues apace, and Papa Joe Stalin must be very proud indeed. In fact, President Vladimir Putin's power and influence have become so totalitarian that national polls show Russians have more faith in him than in their church or any other organ of the state. What should worry the rest of us, though, is that the cult of Putin is becoming manifest in ways eerily reminiscent of Adolf Hitler. End quote. Sure enough, I have published 
too many vindicating commentaries since then to count. But notable titles include Cold War Redux Friendship Over Between Russia and the United States On May 5, 2006 The Putinization of Russia Extends to Georgia On November 2, 2006 Hello, 1937 Putin Turning Russia Back to Stalin Days on June 13, 2012 and resentment as much as ambition moved Putin to take Crimea on March 24, 2014. But knowing Putin as I do, as soon as he began amassing troops along Ukraine's border last year, I began commenting on the best way to counter him, except, acutely aware of the limited reach of my blog commentaries, I began doing so on the social media pages of major news organizations that were reporting on this troop build-up. As a result, I amassed a pretty formidable arsenal of comments. But sharing just five should suffice to give a fair sense of my own Chamberlainian efforts. <laughs> the first is from a report at the London Guardian on November 13. Instead of fretting over Russia's intentions, NATO should be making a show of funneling so many military arms into Ukraine that Putin backs off. This because every Russian soldier on the front lines would begin trembling at the mere thought of crossing over, knowing it would amount to little more than a suicide mission. End quote. The second is from a report at CNN on January 3. The US and its NATO allies should have been funneling enough tanks, anti-tank missiles and every other type of military hardware to enable Ukraine to man this border with as many troops and armaments to call Russia's bluff. What the hell are they waiting for? Crimea was Putin's Sudetenland. Will Ukraine be his Poland? End quote. The third is from a report at the Washington Post on January 19. Russia's menacing bully, Vladimir Putin, is just like North Korea's menacing bully, Kim Jong-un, only with lots of oil and more nukes to leverage his mischief-making. But nothing betrays their delusions, quite like the public show they make of playing with their deadly toys, because they strut their stuff, seemingly oblivious to the fact that everyone knows America and other Western countries 
have those same toys, and then some. End quote. The fourth is from a report at The Economist on February 22. Unfortunately, there is no way to deter Vladimir Putin. This, especially given the way this checkers playing military strategist, has now boxed himself into practically having to invade. The only hope is that NATO helps Ukraine so humiliate him that he retreats. And I fear it will take hundreds, if not thousands, of Russians returning home in body bags to do that. End quote. And this final one is from a report at the New York Times on February 23. I don't think Putin has the balls to launch a full-scale invasion, but he clearly thinks he can have his cake and eat it too by holding Ukraine hostage indefinitely. The mother of all sanctions must target the Russian oligarchs he depends on to sustain his menacing kleptocracy, because most of them have their ill-gotten billions stashed in Western banks and invested in Western properties. The aim should be to so cripple their lifestyles that they blame Putin for their Siberian fate. In which case, he should beware the Ides of March. End quote. But I hasten to caution here that the aim should not be to destroy the Russian economy, as Biden boasted, while announcing even more sanctions on Thursday because that would harm the lives of ordinary, innocent Russians too disproportionately. You are not mistaken, however, if you detect in those comments deep sympathy for Ukraine, born of abiding affection. And I must say that I am heartened by the solidarity the world is showing during this, its darkest hour. Most notable in this respect is the UN Security Council vote condemning Russia's invasion and the US and EU leading the world in imposing sanctions, even on Putin himself, to register that condemnation. But it is also notable that no less an organization than the Chinese handmaiden International Olympic Committee is urging all international sports federations to boycott or cancel events in Russia. Formula One racing, UEFA European soccer, the International Ski Federation and EuroLeague basketball are in the vanguard of those already doing so. 
And so the comparisons I've been making for years between Putin and Kim, as rogue birds of a feather, are becoming manifest, in Russia becoming, every bit the pariah state, North Korea, has always been. The point, though, is that I suspect I sympathize with Ukrainians as much as anyone not born in Ukraine possibly could. To share a sense of this, I need only refer you to a commentary I wrote 16 years ago, titled, Update on my favorite ex-communists, the Ukrainians, from July 25, 2006. Meanwhile, a defining feature of Donald Trump's Manchurian presidency was the way he praised Putin, even for attacking the foundations of American democracy. So no one should have been surprised that he was the useful idiot-in-chief, praising Putin's invasion of Ukraine as genius. I am constrained to note, however, that Trump's praise betrays a blundering irony. After all, if Putin were a military genius, he would have launched this invasion while Trump was still in the White House to provide presidential cover, not now down in Mar-a-Lago, providing idle flattery. No. <laughs> On the other hand, I fully appreciate all that is being made of China casting its lot with Russia. President Xi wants the world to think of China as a worthy alternative to the United States as the sole superpower. Yet he's consigning China to play for Russia, the Axis role Japan played for Germany during World War II. And we all know how that played out. But I'm on record noting that if it were up to this China back then, all of Europe would be under Nazi rule to this day. Frankly, not since Trump kowtowed to Putin on the world stage in Helsinki in 2018 has a world leader made more mockery of his putative superpower leadership than Xi is making of his today. To be fair, leaked documents indicate that he is doing so pursuant to an Axis bargain where China backs Russia's invasion of Ukraine to ensure that Russia backs China when it invades Taiwan. We shall see. But what I championed, uh, to no avail, about sending arms to Ukraine to make Russia think twice about invading is already a reality with respect to Taiwan. Because there will be blood not least because, pursuant to a legal obligation, 
the United States has been sending lethal weapons to Taiwan for decades to ensure China loses lots. If it attempts to do there, what Russia is doing in Ukraine. But God help the world. If the Russians take over Ukraine the way the Taliban took over Afghanistan. That said, the image of Putin meeting with Macron on his Chamberlainian mission to Moscow drew viral ridicule because it showed them sitting at a marble table so big it made them look like little children playing grown-ups. I thought Putin was trying in vain to snub Macron. But then came images of him keeping similar distance in staged meetings with his own national security advisers. That's when I knew Putin was just betraying what every autocrat fears. A plot to kill him. This brings me full circle to Operation Valkyrie, the plot to kill Hitler. Think of the carnage and lives that would have been spared if German army officer Klaus von Stauffenberg and his co-conspirators had succeeded. The notoriously isolated Putin clearly fears members of his inner circle might be thinking of sparing the world similar carnage and lives. The irony of ironies is that Putin orchestrated two TV performances this week, during which he unwittingly presented himself, not just as a belligerent madman, but as one who has given his advisers many reasons to assassinate him. In fact, nothing demonstrated how certifiably insane he has become, quite like the way he gave no less a person than his spy chief a very personal reason to do so. This, by chiding him to speak plainly, Sergei, during one of those TV performances. Because Putin came across like an exasperated parent chiding a three-year-old child who keeps reciting numbers when asked to recite the alphabet. <laughs> uh, by the way, if you've ever wondered how Hitler got men to cower before him and then carry out unspeakable crimes against humanity, that scene between Putin, his spy chief, and other national security advisers, which played out for all the world to see, said it all. The problem, of course, is that their willingness to salute and obey, even after being publicly emasculated, defies common sense. In fact, it makes the sycophancy politicians like Senators Ted Cruz and Lindsey Graham show Donald Trump look chivalrous. Uh, perhaps it is telling that they are all men, and in this case, all white men. 
but I hasten to note that we need only look at the all black men doing the same in Ethiopia, the all Arab men doing the same in Yemen, and the all Asian men doing the same in Myanmar, to know that men are the same everywhere. Which is why my blog is redeemed with commentaries like Women make better politicians than men from October 14, 2010 and International Women's Day Men should be barred from politics from March 8, 2019 in any event, it's definitely insane that the whole world is watching Putin do to the Ukrainian people during this war today. What relatively few people even knew Hitler was doing to the Jewish people during World War II. Not to mention the manifest insanity of Putin aping Hitler while trying to convince the world that he's invading Ukraine to denazify the country of its menacing leaders. After all, the leader of Ukraine, Volodymyr Zelensky, is Jewish. What's more, he's on record bemoaning the fact that the Nazis killed three of his grandfather's brothers in the Holocaust. But Putin is routinely blurting out these days the kind of dim-witted projection we've come to expect every time his puppet Trump criticizes or insults anyone. Still, it's invading Ukraine and triggering sanctions which deprive oligarchs of their ability to roam throughout the West like Russian princes that could spell Putin's doom. Indeed, I would not be surprised if a Russian Stauffenberg and co-conspirators are now lying in wait. And, despite Putin's efforts to assassin-proof his life, I would not be surprised if these Russians succeed where their German predecessors failed. Well, one can only hope, because, given the events unfolding in Ukraine, I fear this is the only way to stop history repeating itself. So, here's to the Ides of March. May God bless and protect the people of Ukraine. That's it. Thank you for listening. And until the next Talking Opinions, goodbye.